Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. That's right across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you'll find uh, the audio-only live stream and, of course, all the links to our social media and all the other sites where we simulcast the show every morning, Facebook, YouTube, Twitch, etc. And also broadcasting live across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or translator, The Michael Duke Show. Continuing this uh, week as we go with our... Uh, um, our, our series of discussions with candidates, we're going to drive into that here in just a few minutes, starting at, uh, uh, in the second segment here, about, uh, oh, about, uh, 10, 12 minutes, we're going to jump into it and start discussing things, um, with, uh, candidates today on the program, we're going to have an interesting discussion with democratic candidate Cliff Grow, who is going to be joining us and, uh, talking with us, uh, about his candidacy, for uh, House District uh, uh, 18, which is uh, the district currently held by David Nelson. That's the old Gabrielle Ledoux district. It's kind of in the eastern side of Anchorage. That's going to be in hour one and should be an interesting discussion. Grow, a Democrat, um, is going to, uh, you know, is probably going to have uh, uh, issues and, uh, and philosophies that we disagree with. But what I like, of course, uh, as we've seen in our interviews with uh, Les Garrett and others, is that there are some interesting things that we may agree with and some other things, obviously, that we don't. But we're going to find we're going to find where that common ground is and see what we can build on from there. In hour two, we're going to be heading up into the uh, Wasilla area and the Matsu and talking to Jessica Wright, who is a Republican candidate for state house in District 28. And we'll be getting her take. So it should be. Um, <clears throat> I'm expecting it to be kind of a morning of opposites, which should be uh, an interesting um, and uh, an interesting comparative by the time everything is uh, all said and done. Um, so uh, that's kind of where we're going today. Before we jump into it with a guest, we do have a couple headlines that I want to uh, hit on, <clears throat> excuse me, and talk about. Uh, Plus a reminder that uh, on tomorrow's program, we're going to be joined by Rosalind Casey and Stephen Wright, uh, which will make for some more interesting discussions. And then on Friday, of course, for Firearms Friday, we're going to be talking with Zach Weissmuller, who is a correspondent and a editor for Reason Magazine uh, at Reason.com. He's got an interesting uh, piece that he put up here about a week ago uh, talking about the uh, uh, the differences and the role in media coverage of some of the more violent uh, active shooter events that we've seen across the country. And we will get uh, <clears throat> get his take on how those things have helped or hurt the situation. Zach Weissmuller will be joining us on Friday for Firearms Friday. So uh, it's uh, good stuff. And then, of course, into next week. We're already looking at uh, Russell Wyatt, uh, Josh Church, who's with a Convention Yes Committee, will be joining us. 
uh, I think John Bennett, Ginger Bryant, Ron Gillum, and of course the following Friday, we're either going to be talking with Dave Wir uh, Workman or Alan Gottlieb from the Second Amendment Foundation for Firearms Friday. So we're out there. It's busy. I mean, I'm, we're booking into the second week of October right now. It's uh, it's hot and heavy. Oh yeah, let's get uh, let's dive into it and see what's going on. It's going to be amazing. Um, <laughs> Anthony just said in the chat room, common ground in 2022. I thought we were supposed to demonize and shun anyone not in lockstep with our far, far left or far right ideologies. Did I miss a memo? No. I mean, apparently that's a memo for the general public. But for this show, we like to see if we can find one thing we can agree on, even if it's a taste of uh, the right beer. I don't know. It, whatever it is, we're going to find something that we can agree on. Um, in the uh, <clears throat> in the discussions today. Um, all right, headlines, headlines. Who's got your headlines? That would be me. And there's some interesting ones out here today, and I'm I'm waiting to see what's going to happen. Uh, first and foremost, um, the uh, I guess I'll I'll start off with this one. Uh, the Constitutional Convention obviously been a very interesting um, race uh, or debate so far. A fight so to speak, uh, and the pro-con side have actually are actually getting together for an official debate tomorrow night, uh, 7 p.m. at the Wendy Williamson Auditorium in Anchorage. They're going to be debating both sides of the Constitutional Convention question. On the pro side of the convention are going to be Bob Byrd, who's chairman of the Alaska Independence Party and uh, host of the uh, talk show down on the peninsula, um, on uh, the radio stations down there, and also former Alaska Lieutenant Governor Lauren Lehman. That's the pro side. On the anti-convention side are Joel Hall, president of the Alaska AFL-CIO, and Matt Shukaro, who is the owner of Fathom Strategic Communications and former press secretary to Governor Mike Dunleavy. Um, so that should be a very interesting debate. It's going to be live-streamed, <clears throat> and you'll be able to see it on the Facebook and the YouTube page uh, for the Alaska Public Media, uh, which is facebook.com slash Alaska Public. Uh, doors open at 6.30. The debate kicks off at 7 this Thursday. And uh, it, should be, uh, it should be an educational event for those of you who are going to be watching it. Um, and uh, we'll get some highlights, I'm sure, afterwards to discuss uh, some of the pros and cons. Of the Constitutional Convention, which you know that I have, uh, I was hesitant in the past uh, to uh, to jump into with both feet, uh, but have come to the conclusion that it is probably a necessary evil, simply because I don't believe that there is the political will to fix it otherwise. So, but we'll we'll talk about that here later on. Um, interesting articles, both ADN and Must Read Alaska have articles up about the reports that are coming out about Angela Rodell, the former head of the Alaska Permanent Fund. And uh, it's, uh, it's interesting. Uh, Must Read Alaska was actually able to get a copy of the independent investigation. Now, there's two independent investigations, so we're going to have dueling investigations. One was instituted by the Legislative Audit and Budget Committee. Uh, they've uh, spent $100,000 uh, putting this together, <clears throat> and uh, they're going to be going over that. Uh, they're going to be going over that report today in, um, I guess, in almost in their own defense, the Permanent Fund Board brought in an outside executive consultant um, and uh, or law firm rather for their own independent investigation. And um, 
they, uh, Suzanne Downing at Must Read, was actually able to get a copy of the report through a Freedom of Information Act. And uh, so we're seeing some of this. Now, I don't know if the Legislative Budget and Audit Committee is going to hear about the uh, trustees' uh, independent investigation or if they're only looking at their own. But some interesting things have come to light um, from the uh, from the uh, uh, report put together by the trustees' <clears throat> uh, investigators, including um, that problems between the board trustees and Angela Rodell uh, went back to at least 2018. So this is not a new uh, contentious issue or problem. Uh, the trustees had brought in an outside executive consultant to help uh, Rodell repair her performance problem. Um, that uh, Rodell had shocked the trustees by sending out a press release describing the fund's strategy for continuing operations in the event of a government shutdown in June of 2022. This was um, this was due to a budget dispute between <clears throat> the governor and legislative leadership. And in that press release, she also inserted her opinion into the political dispute, which was apparently a big no-no for them. Uh, the independent investigation also showed that Governor Dunleavy did not get involved in the decisions or circumstances around Rodell's firing and was, in fact, surprised when he learned of it. And uh, Rodell was described by trustees during the depositions as threatening political retribution against them. And, in fact, she goes down and says... Um, uh, when when questioning Corey Feige, who was a commissioner of the Department of Natural Resources, uh, and was asked to expand on her interaction during the deposition where Rodell was asked to resign and then fired when she refused, the question was, so what was Ms. Rodell's reaction or response to Chair Richards telling her what the board's direction was going to be? And she said, okay. And when he said, you know, we're going to extend you the courtesy of being able to resign, she said, nope, and then proceeded to launch into one of the most vitriolic diatribes I've ever heard as a professional. Clearly, she was embarrassed and her feelings were hurt, but she immediately went to, I knew you were going to do this. You will all have to wear this decision. You don't know the political firestorm you will. You've created for yourself or something to that effect. And then good luck replacing me. Uh, Feige continued, I knew I had made the absolute right decision and for someone not only to to refuse the courtesy of being able to resign when you are a CEO and then, you know, turning around and having the eruption that she had, that communicates to me that an, it's an individual that doesn't believe that they have anything that they need to improve. They don't have any shortcomings. They're blind to what they need to improve in their own skill set. Um, and this was a continuous theme throughout much of the questions and answers that came out and discussions and interviews that were done by the independent investigators. There's a full, <clears throat> you can read the full report uh, over at Must Read Alaska, and I'll drop the link in the chat room for those of you who may want to go read it on your own time and do all that kind of stuff. Anyway, it's interesting. So, I, I again, I do not know. Um, if, um, I do not know if, uh, if they will read both reports or if the legislative budget and audit committee will give the trustees the uh, opportunity to bring forward their report. We'll have to see, uh, we'll have to see what comes out of that, but I don't know if this was the, uh, <laughs> I don't know if this was the, uh, the answers that they were expecting, uh, on all that, uh, as well. So we'll get into that as well. Uh, and then, interestingly enough, there was a new report that came out, kind of out of the blue. An independent economic report released yesterday criticized the um, uh, Alaska Industrial Development and Export Authority, 
claiming that Adia's investment decisions were less investments and more politically driven gambles. Now, for those of you who don't remember, Adia is the organization that's been given money, uh, general fund money, and, and basically money that would have been destined for the corpus of the permanent fund to spend on Alaska-based projects. And we have talked on this program several times about the danger of creating Alaska-based only investments with monies that should be destined for the permanent fund. Now, these are outside of the fund themselves, but the report does say that they would have been better spent in putting them in the permanent fund, as the report states that ADIA had a about $300 million in public funds that they were given and only earned an average of 3.8% in investments compared to the permanent fund's 9.4% rate of return. And we've talked about how dangerous it is, although it is an, a nice idea uh, it would be, you know, in an ideal world, it would be great if we could use permanent fund monies to invest in Alaska and yada, yada. But we know that that would become the political football. That would become the political hot potato of uh, favors being paid and everything else. And, of course, who would suffer would be Alaskans whose permanent fund dividend and other returns overall are based on how much money an investment makes. So um, this is an interesting uh, discussion, and I have not read the full report yet because it just came out, but it was put together by the advocacy group, uh, group Salmon State, um, <clears throat> and uh, ADIA was not too pleased about it. The, the uh, uh, chair of uh, ADIA said that they were a bit blindsided by it and would really have liked to have... Uh, they really would like to have had more input and work with uh, this Salmon State group directly. But um, I, I think it kind of uh, – I'm sure Brad will want to talk about this next week, Brad Keithley, uh, because this has been, again, part of our warning in including um, Alaska-based investments and requiring them uh, that you'll see here. Again, the return on those investments is very, very low, although there may be some trickle-down uh, as far as helping – uh, things inside the state, uh, how political does it get? And in fact, this Salmon State organization uh, calls them politi- uh, politically driven gambles, which I think is exactly what we were warning about before. Whew. All right, I got to get out of here. We got more. Cliff Grow is uh, in the wings, in the green room. I can see him right now. We're ready to jump into that. We're going to continue. The Michael Duke Show continues. Uh, candidate interviews kick off in just a second. Don't go anywhere. Don't forget, you can always join us out on Facebook if you'd like at facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. Facebook.com slash Michael Duke Show. We return with candidate Cliff Grow right after this. What is that? Regularly heard on American radio. Okay, we're in the break right now. Commercial break running. And so good morning to all of you. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Uh, Cliff Grow is waiting in the wings, and we're going to join him here in just a hot second. Uh, let me see if there were... Um, um, uh, see if there's anything else that I wanted to. I thought that was a great comment from Anthony early on this morning. Uh, sprinkling, it's nice day, then rain, broken record. I mean, I know it was so. It's been so nice the last couple of days, and then just a little bit of rain, and you're like, oh, I can't take it anymore. Um. Uh, all right. Um. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. 
Um, support Alaska ballot measure to decriminalize marijuana in 2014. Somebody done forgot to change their uh, their profile here on Facebook here when they commented on this here. Somebody said good morning and their user profile is support the ballot measure to decriminalize marijuana in 2014. Um, you may want to change your, your icon back there. Uh, do you have a link to the CONCON debate? I dropped that in the chat room as well. Uh, if the legislation le- legislature paid $100,000 for an investigation, I guarantee it will read however they want it to, said Bill. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, it's um, it's 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 going to be interesting to watch, that's for sure. Uh, exactly what's coming on. Good morning, good morning, good morning. Um, uh, no kidding, says Herder, but some folks would not have some cushy political job to slide it. I think he's talking about the politiz- politicization of uh, <clears throat> investments out of the permanent fund, which, again, we've talked about as being dangerous. I mean, again, in an ideal world, it would be great if we could do Alaska-only investments, but the the purpose of the fund is to generate the maximum return. And uh, uh, Hammond also talked a little bit about, and I think Hickel as well, both talked about um, the dangers of focusing that money only in the state of Alaska. I mean, it sounds good on paper, but it becomes a real political football at some point. So uh, anyway, um, okay, uh, that's all. Uh, that's all well and good. We got through all the comments this morning uh, in the chat room. So this is where I exhort you to invite other people to participate in the program. So please, if you haven't shared the broadcast this morning, might I suggest that you do that on any of your social medias. It uh, doesn't matter where you're watching us on Facebook or YouTube or Twitch, any of those, you can share those out to other people. Uh, and of course, I would love for you to like and follow the show page on Facebook, to subscribe and ring the bell on YouTube, and to follow on Twitch. There you go. It's all good. All right, let's uh, let's get things set up here and uh, get started. I've already had a conversation. Uh, uh, Cliff Groh's been waiting in the wings since the beginning of the show. Because uh, we wanted to test everything this morning, and uh, he's been kind enough to hang out with us in the uh, in the background there, and he joins us this morning for our discussion. Good morning, sir. How are you? Great, Michael, and thanks for having me on. Well, appreciate you coming on and uh, and talking with us here. Let me uh, let me fix your uh, let me fix your uh, thing here. So, candidate for District 18, right? Okay, uh, correct. Uh, let me actually spell the word candidate right. There we go. All right. So, um, Cliff, uh, we're about ready to jump back into this and uh, and to talk about it. And I appreciate you coming on. Um, as I said earlier, you know, we probably won't agree on a lot. But what I'm looking for always is that one thing that we can agree on. I love to find some kind of common ground. Uh, even I, if, I think we'll find a bunch, John, uh, Michael, a surprisingly large amount. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, I again, as a libertarian, I always find myself agreeing with this and that from both sides. And then everybody hates you because you want to agree with somebody. And then it's uh, it always kind of buggers up the conversation. So it's uh, it should be a good should be a good conversation. So uh, let's uh, let's jump into it here. Uh, and uh, I'm going to just mute you there. You're up on hold and ready to go, folks. We are. Uh, about ready to jump back into it. So again, like and share, uh, and uh, and uh, follow and ring the bell and do all that kind of stuff. And let's get more people. Not that I don't love talking to you guys all in the morning, but it's I see a lot of the same faces. It'd be nice if we could get some more people involved in the conversation and uh, and come on in and and uh, and get a bigger base of people to, uh, you know, the 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 answer to speech you don't agree with. Is- 
more speech. And so that's what we're trying to do is bring more speech into the conversation. So let's do it here. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio, like a chair, like a chair, like a chair. Let's do this thing. Here we go. All right, uh, we're ready. We're jumping into it now to start our morning discussions. Joining us is candidate for District 18, Cliff Grow, who uh, he's been around the state for, uh, you know, for a little while here. He's been, been around for quite a few years, lifelong Alaskan, and uh, he is uh, running for state house because he says he always has cared deeply about Alaska. We're going to get his full backstory here. And more information from him uh, right now as he joins us for our uh, discussions with candidates as we continue on with that. Good morning, Cliff. How are you? Great, Michael. Thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you coming on. It's uh, it should be a it should be an interesting and fun discussion today. So, for folks who don't know who you are, um, you know, give us a little bit of a background about you, who you are, where you are, where you came from, and uh, let's uh, let's 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 get some details here. Absolutely, Michael. Um, Michael, I'm a lifelong Alaskan. I was born and raised um, in Anchorage and uh, uh, lived in Anchorage most of my life and in Alaska all of my life. Um, I'm a, a husband. I'm a, a, a proud uh, a husband of, of my wife, Teresa. I'm the, uh, the proud father of my son, Kevin. Um, I have, uh, I'm a former prosecutor. Uh, I've uh, put um, criminals um, in prison all around the state, um, working as a prosecutor for the Alaska Department of Law. I have worked on Alaska's fiscal challenges, sort of the the long run effects of the um, both the rise of oil money and then the long term decline um, uh, caused by the long run fall in Alaska oil production. And I've worked in this area um, for more than forty years. First, while working for the legislature, and then for for, for the uh, stand at the Alaska Department of Revenue as a special assistant commissioner, and then as a private citizen. And Michael, I helped create the permanent fund dividend. Um, I don't think you can out libertarian me, um, I, uh, uh, and that's it. Um, I, uh, when I was um, uh, in my twenties, as I said, I worked for the Alaska the staff of the Alaska Legislature, and I worked directly with Governor Jay Hammond and a number of legislators to help create the permanent fund dividend, both in drafting the legislation and help, helping to draft the legislation, and also helping to uh, assemble a tripartisan coalition of three, three that would be three. Um, uh, Republicans, Democrats, uh, and Libertarians. There were actual Libertarians in the legislature back then, card-carrying members of the Libertarian Party. Um, I um, am uh, very concerned about our state's structural deficit, and I want to uh, help fight violent, uh, particularly help fight violent crime around our state and use my background as a prosecutor um, uh, to do that. Crime in general is a problem, but it's, 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 it's particularly violent crime. Um, um, in terms of sexual assault, domestic violence, and um, child child abuse, all crimes that I have prosecuted, that our state has shamefully high rates um, um, in leading the, the nation. Uh, I'm um, a champion and advocate of small business. I'm a former, uh, well, I still am a lawyer who has a, 
uh, is a small businessman in that sense, although I'm mostly chasing votes now, voters now, and I don't have any clients right now. Um, but I've been a small businessman. I have a small business council um, to advise me. We had a meeting earlier this week. Uh, it says an advocate and champion of small business. I'm formerly an honorary commander of uh, Jay Bear, the military base. And I'm going to represent House District 18, and I want to describe it a little bit more. It's a district created, it's a new district created by reapportionment that runs across North Anchorage, sometimes described as like Anchorage's headband. And it's best described to the neighborhood it includes because it runs all the way from Cook Inlet to the uh, uh, the landfill. Uh, this new district that I'm running in um, includes all of the all of Government Hill, almost all of Jay Bear, uh, and parts of North Muldoon, uh, uh, downtown, and Fairview, with a small, relatively small slice of Mountain View. And that's the district that I'm running in to represent um, of the uh, in the Alaska State House. Um, and I'm co-creator of the, the permanent fund dividend, as I said, and I'm running to protect the permanent fund and grow the PFD. I want to constitutionalize the dividend to end the yearly dividend debacle and all that argument and, and, and fighting, get the politicians out of the way and not have the annual arguments that freeze up the legislature um, and waste time and money um, over the level of the dividend. I want to capture revenue from um, out-of-state workers and, and uh, uh, people who um, uh, uh, and the individual incomes of that amount above $250,000 um, with an income tax like Alaska used to have between 1949 and 1980 that got repealed from the first wave of the uh, of the uh, oil boom, the big oil money. I want to bring in our fair share of oil revenues. Um, I joined Senator Bill Wilikowski, who's endorsed me um, in uh, a number of positions, but also uh, in terms of getting our fair share of oil revenues I think there's hundreds of millions of dollars the state of Alaska could um, generate in a year through a restructuring of our oil tax system to re uh, um, that would uh, uh, help our state and, and raise revenues for schools, roads, uh, public safety, and other important uh, services. I also believe that we need to, um, uh, I'm a big believer in fiscal responsibility. I fought for it for decades. I'm a believer we need to balance the budget and with a comprehensive uh, fiscal approach that would include a, include a tighter constitutional spending cap. Um, and uh, those are the things that I'm uh, running on and uh, care about and a little bit about me. All right. Well, that's a big dump there. So let's uh, let's jump into that and start talking about it. I mean, first and foremost, what um, you know, this is a question that I love to ask, you know, what made you jump into the political? I mean, you've been behind the scenes. Like you said, you were in working in the you know, for the legislature as a staffer, law department. I mean, all that kind of stuff. But what made you jump out front and decide that now was the time to actually get into the political game directly as a candidate? Was there a single thing? Was it a combination um, of things? What was it? Combinations of things came together. Um, number one, um, I have a great wife who supports uh, my candidacy. That, that's not been true all my all my adult life in terms of wanting to me to run. Uh, that's an, an, an important factor. Uh, Teresa is just terrific and uh, beyond belief, way better than I deserve. Um, additionally, uh, I um, was I've been on the board of Alaska Common Ground, a nonprofit organization dedicated. To bringing people together, finding common ground, and finding consensus in Alaska on our major issues, and I was chair of that organization for four years. Um, I, you know, worked uh, uh, hard then to try to help people understand uh, our our uh, fiscal problems and the options for addressing them, and to help bring them together to find solutions. And then um, in 2018, uh, Les Guerra announced very much toward the end, just before the uh, filing deadline, that he was. Uh, thinking of not running. 
uh, I jumped in at the very end and ran in that district um, and uh, uh, lost in the, in, the, in the primary. Then my wife and I moved to Government Hill, we, we, uh, which is part of the old former d- the district that I ran in. But it's, and then when the lines got announced last year, um, not only had I moved um, into it, but the lines had moved such that I was now in a new district that ran across North Anchorage without a Democratic incumbent. Um, and I decided to run. Uh, I've run very hard. I've knocked on more, more than 4,000 doors since January when I started walking door to door. And I'm proud to announce, Michael, that I am um, the candidate, according to journalist Mac, but Max, Matt Buxton, I'm the, the candidate for the legislature in Alaska who has um, gotten, um, who has uh, had the most individual contributors of any candidate for the Alaska State Legislature, <laughs> uh, House or Senate in this cycle. Right. Um, that um, so, uh, and I'm proud. I'm proud of that fact. Knocking on and doors I, does have an effect. I can tell you that for sure. You definitely can. And a lot of, and I've made a lot of phone calls and sent a lot of emails, uh, uh, Mr. Dukes. <laughs> That's a fact too. Right. Well, let's talk about your constituency because this is something that I always find fascinating. Uh, because when I ran for office back in Fairbanks back in the day, I always found it interesting to see what the constituents were talking about. What was the most important issue that you know when you walked in and knocked on their door? What were they talking about? And so, you know, you've mentioned a plethora of issues and we have a bunch of issues that are facing us, whether it's, uh, you know, inflation or the budget or public safety, the dividend. I mean, what is the number one issue that your your constituents are really talking about? I'm going to I've never done a precise survey, but when you walk to more than 4000 doors, as you correctly know, I've met a lot of people. Um, The top four or five um, uh, homelessness, uh, crime, the budget. Um, uh, uh, the dividend um, and uh, are the things people talk about and uh, and jobs. And I right. talk about you know, all those issues um, and, uh, you know, have plans to address them. Okay. Um, well, I want to dive down into um, your stance on the permanent fund dividend um, because you talk about um, – you know, that what we really need uh, is a supporting a dividend that we can afford. Now, for us here on the show, that's kind of an anathema statement because, you know, we believe that the, we should follow the law. It's either statutory dividend or it's not. Either follow the law or change the law. Uh, although you are uh, more closely aligned with what I was see earlier in the legislature when Governor Mike Dunleavy and others came forward and said what we really need is a 50-50 POMV draw and payout, and that's similar to the plan that you have laid out here on your website, that you're looking for a sustainable POMV formula that prevents the government from overdrawing the permanent fund, and then also gives it and makes it a full 50-50 split and nothing more. Uh, expand on that for us. I mean, is that, you know, is 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 that a hard lock thing for you? You um, think the statutory dividend is out the door? Should they change um, the law? What, what, what should we do here? Um, I agree with you. We need to change the law, right? And I um, and I helped create the statutory dividend, right? Um, and, you know, and the um, the the bill that I helped draft in 1982 that became the law that allowed for the payment of all these you know billions of dollars in permanent fund dividends in, in, over the decades is something that I worked on very extensively back in 1982. The formula was slightly changed later in the 1980s, um, but the, the the basics of it were. Um, Put in place in that 1982 legislation, um, and you have to understand how things work in the sense of the cha- how they change over time. When you have to face that directly, um, when the, the the dividend bill was originally created, um, Alaska had enormous amounts of oil money coming in with the promise of a lot more coming in. 
Um, and uh, so, and oil paid the bills, oil revenues paid the bills for the state of Alaska for decades. And that's how we were able to have um, the, uh, the Alaska state budget with conventional services um, for, as I said, things like roads, schools, public safety, public health, um, and have uh, a, uh, 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 no um, broad-based taxes and um, very low taxes on citizens, the lowest in the United States. And third, um, have uh, pay out the dividends, permanent fund dividends, according to that, to that formula. With the decline in the oil revenues made that possible. With oil revenues falling so dramatically, I know, Michael, you could easily point out they've gone up in the past you know, nine months or so because of the, um, the war in Ukraine. Obviously, they've fallen off their highs. Right, right. right? We're, not, we're not back where, you know, where we were in, right. in March or wherever. Right. We've fallen off dramatically, as you know, and we're well below $100 a barrel now. Um, but um, the, the, the oil money party has ended. And um, the war in Ukraine is not going to last forever. Oil prices have already fallen. They're going to continue to fall. People like you and me have lived in Alaska a long time and watched the oil markets know that oil prices fluctuate and gyrate even. So we need to have a new fiscal system. We've gone part of the way to doing that. We need to go far, farther part of the way. And I'm your full plan candidate. I heard your interview with, you know, a, a Brad Keithley. Um, and uh, I'm your full plan candidate. And maybe, Michael, you're going to say, Cliff, you're too fair. You're too equitable. You, you, you can't do it. Or maybe even you're going to say, Michael, you're too brave. Cliff, you're too brave. Right. I, I can handle it. I'm not afraid of that. Right. Um, but I think that we should have reasonable services for the people of Alaska. The largest dividend the state of Alaska can afford with an eye toward making it um, 50% of the PMV payout. Um, and I have a plan to pay for it that involves a higher taxes in the oil industry um, and a broad-based tax. Um, on um, non-residents and residents, uh, individuals who make uh, on that portion of their of their income that's over two hundred fifty thousand dollars a year, and I know some people like that. Michael, um, I fired my dentist when I found out that he lived in Utah and flew to Anchorage thirty four weeks a year for four days a week. Right, um, it made all his one hundred percent of his income in Alaska, and dang it, Michael, the state of Utah taxes its income. The made in Alaska. Right. Remember, all his incomes mean Alaska. Right. I just think that's right. Michael, you might say he's your, he's your role model. That you that you're, you might say, hey, Cliff, I want to protect that guy. And I and I say we need to have uh, a reasonable um, um, fiscal structure and system that collects some of the the, the, the money that uh, some non residents make in Alaska. And my proposal addresses that. Um, I think it's interesting, you know, because uh, again, as I was reading through your 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 proposal here in the permanent fund again the the similarities and the and the parallels with what had been proposed this last session by governor dunleavy were apparent i mean talking about again a pomb uh, uh 50% draw not overdrawing the permanent fund some of the other things um but you just said something that, that piqued my interest when you said with an eye towards getting it to be a 50% uh uh split for the people shouldn't that be um, pre, shouldn't that be predominant? I mean, shouldn't that be not an eye towards like we're going to work towards it because we know how that works out. We say, well, what we really want is this, but what we're going to start with is this. And it never ends up being at the goal of a 50-50. And we've already seen, of course, the legislature wants a 75-25. They want all these other splits. Quickly here, I got less than a minute before the break, but uh, you know, give me your take on that. Shouldn't it just be a straight 50-50 split and the government needs to figure out where the rest of the revenue comes from if that's what they want? That's what I would like to do, and we need a comprehensive solution. And you mentioned the fiscal policy working group. Uh, uh, 
an organ, a, a committee that I followed very closely um, and was in, in communication with in, the, in 2021 when they were doing their work. Um, I think that that's a good approach, but we need all the parts to fit together and not have fantasy schemes that we're going to have lotteries alone that pay for our budget or that that's the solution. Um, and I'm your realistic, um, brave candidate uh, with a, a full plan. Um, and uh, uh, that's my approach. And um, I know how to save the dividend uh, because I helped create it. Uh, and that would be my proposal. Uh, we're talking with Cliff Grow, <clears throat> excuse me, Democratic candidate for House District 18. We're going to continue this discussion in just a moment. We'll get deeper into the budgets and other things as well. We'll continue right after this The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. Broadcasting live through a series of tubes. Allowing all of these entities to provide streaming stuff going on, on, the, on the Internet. Well, it's kind of hard to explain. Sorry. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. Okay, we're in the break right now. Cliff Grow is our guest, um, and and I'll just be honest with you, Cliff. When I when you said that, that immediately made made me cringe a little bit, and and the hackles rise because we hear that a lot. Our ideal is that we want, you know, B, but we got to do A first, and we'll try and work our way to B. And the problem is, is that when people say, "Oh, well, I heard that they really want B over here. I really heard that they want this 50-50 split," and so. We'll give them a little ground now because we know that's where they're working towards. And, of course, then we never get to be because once they have their hands in the cookie jar, once they have access to those funds, they don't want to give them up. You know, so if it starts out at a 75-25 and the ideal is, of course, we want to work to a 50-50, we never end up getting there because there's always some other reason why they should use that money for something else. Right. I mean, this is the whole problem with, for example, deferred maintenance. It's the same kind of thing. Oh, well, we could put that off one more year because we really need this that that money for Project X for now. And we'll get back to it later. And then the next thing you know, you're a quarter of a billion dollars behind on deferred maintenance. I mean, that's a real problem. I'm a big believer, by the way, um, to go to a subsidiary point. I'm a big believer in a bigger capital budget um, and than we've had in recent years. We had a big one this year because of the blood money from Ukraine. And I think that we need a 50-50 makes sense to me, but it's gotta be part of this overall package where we have additional revenues for our state, a tighter constitutional spending cap, and an understanding of, you know, uh, that we can't, or we can't and, and higher oil taxes, as I said, as part of those additional revenues, but an understanding that we can't just, um, uh, you know, rely on, on oil money alone to pay all the bills like we did for so many decades, for so long, for years. Right. Um, well. Go ahead. And by the way, I'm also going to talk about that. I helped get a big oil tax bill passed as well. Yeah. Well, we're going to talk about uh, we're going to talk about the oil taxation and we're going to talk about the uh, tax, uh, uh, excuse me, spending cap and some other things as well, um, along with your position uh, on the uh, Constitutional Convention and other services. Um, but I don't I don't like to I don't want to repeat ourselves too much. So I want to make sure we jump back into that on the um, uh, on the uh, on the radio. Uh, somebody asked a question I thought was relevant here in the chat room because um, he was talking you were talking about, you know, the problems of the oil and the volatility, the prices and everything else. 
And uh, Brian in the chat room asks, and Biden's energy poly, ask him about that contribution to the price of oil. What are your thoughts on the president's current plan with what's happened and, you know, what's happened with American energy independence as well with these new policies? I mean, is this something you favor? Uh, Do you think that as an Alaskan, we have a uniquely different view? What's your take on it? I favor more oil development in Alaska to the degree we can get it. I think Alaska's biggest issues with that are economic factors. And um, uh, one oil company lobbyist told me recently that there's probably only going to be two more developments on the slope, right? Just because of the, the, the nature of it. And he hopes that his company could get his through. And then one other one that another company is doing, but those might be the only two major oil developments like in, in Alaska because of economic factors. Um, and I uh, think that the biggest problem, and a lot of people do not recognize in Alaska, is we've lost more than three quarters of oil production. Uh, given that it, we used to have two more than two million barrels of oil a day go through the pipeline in the late 1980s, and now it's well below 500,000 barrels a day, and some right. close to 400,000 barrels a day. I know you've talked about that, Michael, but others in Alaska don't seem to always have absorbed that. No, I mean it, 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 it's always it's always razzle, it frazzled me that you know here we have this decline in oil revenue uh, and decline in development, and a lot of it has to do with. Uh, you know, federal mandates and federal ideas. We should be opening up all the available uh, uh, land for resource development that we have. That's how the state of Alaska is uh, going to continue to expand and grow. I mean, we're a resource-driven state. Uh, should we also be taking a look at um, um, uh, one of my pet peeves, this is my personal pet peeve, is mineral uh, taxes, mineral and severance taxes. Shouldn't we be looking at those things as well? I mean, when we have a 3% net tax on <laughs> mineral severance, that's a problem. Who, who, who's, who's put together this plan where uh, it's a 3% net tax? We know how sharp those pencils are for the accountants for those big boys. Shouldn't it just be a flat uh, severance tax on the, you know, for every ounce taken out of the ground? We got to look at mining taxes and also recognize that in, in, that typically or traditionally um, hard rock mining does not have as much profit as oil does, you know, uh, you know, the potential for profit. It's, and that's, you know, although there, I think there will be more minerals mined in Alaska, especially with the screening energy revolution um, and other factors. And I think that we are going to get more mining home, that it's not, you know, oil development. No, I mean, I think I think rare earth minerals and some of the other ones are definitely going to be the bigger pushes for that uh, as we go through. Um, and, uh, you know, and I, and I think that's where we, that's going to be the next frontier, so to speak, uh, of what we need to be pushing is the rare earth and a lot of the other uh, extractables that we have available to us. All right, Cliff, we'll hold the line for us for just a second. I got you on mute. We're going to be right back to you. Folks, uh, like and share this show, like and follow the show page if you would uh, – like to uh, go out and take a look. I've got uh, links up in the chat room right now to Cliff's issues page, which is pretty, I mean, it's pretty explanatory there. There's lots of good information. It's not just bullet points. Uh, And uh, you might find something that you agree in in there. Let me know. We're going to jump back into this. Here we go. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Share the show. Like this video. Let's do it. All right, we're continuing now. Cliff Groh is our guest, Democratic candidate for House District 18, which is in Anchorage. Uh, and we're talking with him about various uh, issues uh, around the state. 
uh, during our last uh, conversation, right before we went to break, we were talking about the permanent fund. Uh, we were also talking about some taxation and some other things. Uh, Cliff, you've mentioned a couple times one of the things that you think we need is a spending cap, a constitutionalized spending cap. In your issues, you also say that the dividend itself should be uh, constitutionalized um, at a 50-50 uh, POMV draw type uh, situation. But then you also say that you do not support a constitutional convention. Now, here's my question, because this is part of the problem. Uh, we've talked about it. The governor wanted to have a uh, SGR 6 was all about making sure that you constitutionalize the PFD and putting a spending cap in and doing some of these other things. But it's pretty obvious, Cliff, that there's no political will to get that done on the legislature side. I mean, there's two ways to change, a constitutional convention or the legislature, really. Those are the two real ways to get change. So what's the hesitation on the constitutional convention? I guess first question is, do you think there's the political will to do it via the legislature? And if not, then why not a constitutional convention? I think, yes, there is. And I have a record of putting together um, and helping to put together big deals. Both the deal that got the permanent fund dividend bill passed in 1982, which I've earlier described. I also, uh, while working at the Alaska Department of Revenue, uh, later um, helped uh, put together and get uh, assemble the coalition. At that time, a bipartisan coalition because the Libertarians had left the legislature by then. But I assembled, helped assemble a bipartisan coalition for a major oil tax bill um, that uh, passed that raised um, $2 billion for our state. It's billion with a big B, um, Michael. And so I have a record of putting together, helping to put together big deals in the legislature on major issues to help our state and, and help the people of Alaska. So um, I'm optimistic, um, you know, and I uh, that's just my approach and I have the record uh, to go along with that. Um, uh, and I think that with my background um, at, at litigating constitutional issues, um, and uh, um, been an advocate uh, for a long time and, and, and worked with the, for the legislature and with the legislature and, and I, that I can help do this and, and, and be a critical part of putting this together. Um, and I um, support constitutional amendments. I support, as you know, constitutionalizing the permanent fund dividend. I support further protecting the permanent fund earnings. Um, right now, the legislature could get back in session, you know, next month or certainly in January when it will obviously come back and spend all the earnings, every penny of the earnings in one spree. That would be um, a very bad outcome for our state and something that I think that needs to be prevented by a constitutional amendment. I support change to the constitution through what we would call regular order um, in the legislature. And I think that I can uh, play a substantial role in doing that. I, on the other hand, do not support a constitutional convention. I have, um, I'm a member, you know, donated to the organization, defend our constitution and have, you know, uh, you know, participated early on in some of the meetings before I got too busy with my own campaign. I think that this is, now is not the right time to have a constitutional convention. I'm particularly concerned about the threats to privacy um, and um, to choice that would uh, uh, exist um, by doing that. Uh, I'm proud as a lifelong Alaskan. Um, uh, I'm proud of our state's record that uh, our state uh, um, decriminalized abortion and changed the abortion laws before the issuance of the Roe versus Wade decision, I think it would be bad for our state to uh, ban abortion and criminalize abortion and uh, put uh, women and doctors uh, um, in prison. Um, and I stand four square against that. And I think that there'll be a lot of pressures in the Constitution Convention to do that. I think there's going to be pressures in the Constitution Convention to wreck our system of public schools, uh, which I would very much oppose. I'm a proud product of the Anchorage Public Schools. Uh, 
Inlet View, Central, West. Um, and I would uh, like other students uh, now um, in school and um, in the future in Alaska to have the same good opportunities that I had in public school in Alaska. So you're more concerned about the other things that could be changed, not necessarily that a constitutional convention couldn't address the issues of a spending cap and PFD, but you're concerned about access to abortion and other things that could be changed. In uh, that, I also think that we could get we could lock ourselves into a system through uh, uh, um, uh, the, the constitutional convention can come out with some sort of um, uh, basic way that would, you know, uh, wreck funding for public schools, make it impossible to have good public safety in Alaska or good roads um, through completely you know, through some unrealistic um, uh, changes. But the citizens, but the citizens have to ratify all those things. I mean, don't you trust the citizens to be able to make those decisions for themselves sure. if it's put in front of them? I believe I believe a better a better process would be to go through the regular order in the legislature right now. And I say um, vote no on the Constitutional Convention. Vote yes on Cliff Grow. To bring your constitutional changes um, uh, on the dividend, on protecting the permanent funds, um, and also on a tighter uh, constitutional spending cap. We're down to the last four minutes here, so I do want to get into the, ed- the issue of education because you've talked about that a couple times. Um, you know, education in this state, we've poured ever-increasing amounts of money into education over the last 25 years. We still are at the bottom of the barrel scholastic and achievement. Um, we still have one in four students don't even graduate. Most of the students going into college have to take remedial math. I mean, there's a whole slew of problems here. Um, is the answer... Just more money? Do we have to fundamentally change the way we do schooling? And what are some of the solutions that you think that would make K-12 better? Quickly here. Um, I, I, I think that we need to listen to, uh, to the best evidence, follow the best evidence, follow the best practices, uh, be mindful of, of, of what we're learning on the ground. I also think that we can't do that on the cheap. And I think that one of the problems we have in education Alaska today is teacher turnover. And I am a big believer and supporter of um, uh, both for teachers and for other public employees, bringing back a defined um, benefit system like the one that I had um, and stumbled into just with the very end of it um, um, in Alaska myself. Uh, and I think that we, we uh, can't cheap out an education, an important constitutional obligation, an important social and moral obligation for the people of Alaska. Uh, I have both um, uh, guests uh, lectured in a number of classes in, in Anchorage as recently as this year, beginning of this year, I did it. Um, uh, and I also have a um, big believer in education. I've also uh, d- created a course at the University of Alaska, which I t- taught repeatedly, called Navigating Alaska's Fiscal and Economic Challenges. So um, uh, I am the candidate to study this. I'm a big believer in education, and I recognize that we've, we've got to have the appropriate resources to handle that um, and su- support our teachers to give the best possible educations to our students that we can. I guess just one follow-up question on that, because again, defined benefits programs, we've seen them across the country. Uh, they've, you know, they've had to be bailed out. They've had, uh, you know, many municipalities and communities have stopped them. Uh, most private industries have stopped them because again, they, you know, Delta and GM and several had to be bailed out. Defined benefits program put this state upside down in liability to the tune of $12 billion. Um, what about that as a danger for bringing back defined benefits? Um, I wrote a paper on that um, um, for the University of Alaska uh, on the, un- the the unfunded liabilities of PERS and TERS, and they're a lot lower now than they were when I uh, uh, when that paper was published only a few years ago. Uh, I've written a very long paper about that topic. I see the new proposals as a, a not creating those problems. I think that there's a way to bring back defined benefit um, um, system to uh, 
uh, teachers and other public employees in Alaska that would have great benefits in, uh, to the public in reducing teacher turnover and public employee turnover uh, and also uh, would not um, have the, the, the bad financial uh, effects that you discussed. All right. Last minute here, Cliff, I want to give you the floor. Your elevator pitch, why people should vote for Cliff Grow. Where do they find you? Any events? Go. It's all you. Uh CliffGrowForAlaska.com, uh, a number four, CliffGrow, number four, Alaska.com. You can look up uh, my positions. I appreciate, I do have uh, a long website with a lot of detailed policy proposals. You could also, if you wish, donate to my campaign. Um, uh, and uh, uh, that would be fine with me too. Uh, I am your experienced, um, hardworking, highly motivated candidate. I'm your common sense candidate who's seeking common ground and I'm a Democrat, was raised by prominent Republicans in Alaska. I have uh, worked with everybody throughout my life and throughout my public career in Alaska. And I am willing um, and want to go to Juneau, roll up my sleeves um, and help us uh, save our state. And I would uh, be proud to have your support. Cliff Grove, thank you so much for coming on board. Hold the line for a second. Folks, we're out of time. Jessica, right up next, The Michael Duke Show. All right, Cliff, I want to give you one final bite at the apple. I like to do that just the last couple minutes that are not up against the clock there and against the timer. So uh, your final thoughts here. Again, this is not your friendly audience that, uh, you know, is probably as receptive as they could be to your your points. I think you and I agree on a couple things. Um, I think, uh, you know, there's probably a whole slew of things that we disagree with, but I want to give you the last bite here in case there was something we didn't hit on uh, or some other kind of pitch that you want to make here at the very end. Uh, I wanted to Uh give you the floor. Uh, I'm your lifelong Alaskan who helped create the dividend and wants to save it and knows how to save it. Um, I have a realistic and, and detailed uh, proposals to uh, help put our state on a right course for the long run. I am not your candidate um, if you're interested in, in uh, making a bunch of money in the short run and leaving Alaska in the next two years. If that's your approach, uh, you can find other candidates that would be more helpful for you. I want to protect our per- further protect our permanent fund um, constitutionalize the uh, the permanent fund dividend and uh, save it for the long run I want to uh, provide additional uh, uh, revenues for our schools our public safety and our roads I want to balance the budget with a tighter spending cap and I want to do it by bringing people together um, through my hard work um, and experience and detailed knowledge of the issues uh, one final question, because I didn't get a chance to ask this earlier. It always seems that the 45 minutes go so quickly. But, you know, I, I often ask the candidates, you know, where are we at at the state budget right now? Do you think it's too small? Do you think it's too big? Do you think it's just right? Where, where, where do you stand as where, you know, the amount of money we're spending in the government right now on a per capita basis? Well, where I, do you think we stand? Um, I think that there were some uh, – I, I think that we need to um, – maybe go back to where we were uh, about a year or two ago before the oil money came in and then pay for it, right? You know, pay for it and, and not be unbalanced. We have a sea of red coming up. So I think the budget um, uh, might've gotten a little too high, uh, got too high in the last year um, with that, with the blood money from the Ukraine war. Uh, but that we're not going to have that anymore. But without that, we're facing big deficits and we uh, we need to have a reasonable budget that is paid for, and that's the proposals that I offer. That, that I offer blood money, Cliff. Really? I mean, that's it's market forces. I mean, I know it's a war, but it's is it really blood money? I mean, come on, that uh, that seems a little a hyperbolic. Lot people, a lot of people have died. Um, sure, you know, to help force up the market. Um, it's realistic um, in terms of what's actually happened, and we can't. It's not going to keep up. 
right? Well, no, I you agree with I agree with that. I was just saying the classification is blood money. Uh, I mean, those are market forces. We, you know, we had no, you know, we, we it's it's out of our hands. But I just I thought the blood money classification was a little. Uh, hyperbolic, uh, uh, you know, okay. there. Um, but anyway, good conversation. I appreciate you coming on board and, uh, and thanks for bringing your issues forward. And, uh, we appreciate you being part of it today. Thanks for coming on. Thanks. Appreciate it, Michael. All thanks right. a lot. Thank you. Cliff Grow, uh, here, uh, uh, our guest for hour one of the program. In the uh, green room, I see that Jessica Wright has joined us, and we're going to be uh, getting to her here in just a second. In fact, we probably should bring her on just to test her audio to make sure everything is uh, up and running here before we get started, and then I will get to some of the uh, comments here in the chat room. Whoops, let's go over here, Jessica, and uh, we'll see if we can uh, test everything. I see your microphone is uh muted, Jessica. So if you want to unmute your microphone and then we'll see if we can hear you here this morning as we get ready to go on. Um, good morning. How are you? Can you, can you hear me, Jessica? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Yes, I can hear you. Okay, good. Okay. All right. Uh, so we'll be, uh, we'll be jumping on with you here in just a few moments. Uh, and uh, if you're ready to go, we'll, uh, we'll kick things off here in just a second. Okay. Okay. All right. You can leave your microphone unmuted and I will be back to you here in just a moment. Um, all right. Uh, let me get, uh, let me get, uh, uh, let me get, uh, into the comments here in the chat room. Um, I mean, I knew this was not going to be a popular interview with uh, Cliff, just simply because we mostly disagree on most of the policies. Uh, some of you guys, though, just go way over the top here. Uh, uh, pedophiles and, and uh, adrenochrome and all the different other kinds of craziness that we're talking about here. Um, I just, uh, I think, you know, again, uh, Susie think I says right here, she goes, this guy sounds like Bert Stedman, follow the damn law. Yes, I agree. Uh, Brian asking about the energy policy. Um, let's see. Uh, Ken makes the comment that the university is full of people taking Alaska dollars and living out of state. I don't know how true that is, but I know that there's plenty of people out there who are doing it. Uh, that doesn't make it, uh, that doesn't make it right. Um, let me see here. Uh, he forgot, he used blood money, but he forgot war profits. I mean, I just some of the talking points and we've seen that here in the last couple weeks where we've interviewed some Democrats and it's the blood money. It's the uh, again, the war profits, the kind of the talking points there. And and again, we have no direct connection to that, but it you know it makes you feel dirty, makes you feel dirty when Alaska's taking blood money, even though it's just it's just the market. I mean, it, it, we had nothing to do with it, per se. So, yeah, Um uh, deftly dodged the question on the president's uh, um, uh, policy, says Brian. Um, let's see. Um, <laughs> Bill says this guy's a smooth talker, but gives me the heebie-jeebies. Um, um, scrolling through here. Uh, he's a sleeper who wants to sound reasonable, but will twist your tail, says Robbie. Um yeah. Uh, and Brian said at one point after he went on about some of that stuff, said that toasts him 100 percent for me. So and I think that was when we were talking about education. Um, so we'll see. Uh, I mean, I think the ConCon uh, question also brought out some interesting things. You can see that they are very worried about the uh, they're very worried about the the the, the choice issue. 
And I don't know how we would wreck the schools with a con-con, but I'm uh, I'm sure he's found uh, some way in there to make it work. All right, we're, we're coming up against it. Let's jump back into it. Uh, the Michael Duke Show continues. Jessica Wright is our guest. Up next, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Here we go. Put that thing back in its holster. We haven't gone anywhere. I don't understand. Check out the MichaelDukesShow.com for information on how to get access to the podcast. Welcome to the party, pal. The, the Michael Dukes Show. The greed and the entitlement is astounding to me. What more could you want from a low-budget radio program? This is a dumpster fire. That was just BS. It is time to get a new perspective. We know just what you need, and we've got just the cure. Open wide and prepare for a steaming hot cup of freedom. I just don't fathom it. The Michael Dukes Show, streaming live across the world. Across the world on the internet at MichaelDukesShow.com, where you will find uh, the audio-only live stream and, of course, all the links to our social media sites where we simulcast the show every morning on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. And, of course, broadcasting on regular old terrestrial radio across the state of Alaska on this, your favorite radio station and or FM translator. Welcome to The Michael Duke Show, hour two of the big radio show. And today's program is being brought to you by your friends over there at Satellite West. You'll find them at SatelliteWest.com. Satellite West, of course, has uh, you know all the technology that you need to keep connected inside the state of Alaska, regardless of where you are. Uh, if you want to send an email, or you want to check, it, you you want to do an internet search, or you want to make a phone call, or you want to send a text message, you know, on the top of Mount McKinley, they I'm sorry, Denali, they will do that for you. They will do that for you. Satellite West can get you hooked up no matter where you are in the state. They are your communication specialist. You can find out more about them at SatelliteWest.com. And uh, we want to say thank you to them for sponsoring the program for this morning. Um, all right. We are jumping back into it now. Our conversations with candidates. We just finished up with Cliff Grow, who is a Democratic candidate for House District 18. I imagine most of the listeners probably did not agree with Cliff's stances. But again, I always find it interesting to see where they stand on some things. Now we're moving up from Anchorage into the Matsu Borough, and we are getting ready to talk to Jessica Wright. Jessica, who is running for uh, House District uh, 28 uh, up in uh, the Matsu area. And uh, she joins us this morning to talk about her candidacy. And uh, we're bringing her on the program, in fact, uh, right now. Uh, and we welcome her to the show. Good morning, Jessica. How are you this morning? Pretty good. 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 Thanks for coming on board and joining us. Yeah, I'm doing well. Good. Well, let's uh, let's kick things off, Jessica, and start Thank talking you. with you about, uh, you know, who you are, where you are, where you came from. Let's get a little bit of a feel for, uh, you know, what your story is and folks want to hear more about you. So who's Jessica Wright? Where did you come from? And uh, and what are you up to? OK, I'm Jessica Wright running for State House District 28. 
Um, I live in Alaska since 2009. Um, I am a veteran's wife. Uh, I'm the mother of five. I'm the editor of a magazine and I'm the businesswoman. Uh, our family moved here. Oh, I was born and raised in Taiwan. Um, during my 20s, I came to the United States for my college education and I, uh, I got my political science degree. And uh, at the time, I was thinking go to law school because uh, most people got political science degree, got went to the law school, go to law school. Right. Anyway, and I met my husband, but I met my husband right after I graduated. So the first week, so the plan changed. Uh, we got married like uh, soon after, like two and a half months, and uh, we had five kids, and we moved all over the country because of his job. In the military, he was in the Air Force, by the way, when I met him. Right. And and then we moved up here in 2009 uh, because his job, uh, his military assignment to Almodov. Um, and we have been here, here ever since, even after he retired. Right. Um, I The reason why I'm running, because I just can't, uh, no longer sit around and watch our uh, state going down to the socialist, the big government route. I just think it's wrong. It's bad for Alaska. Yeah. Well, and, yeah, no, let's, and let's talk about that. I mean, was it one thing? Was it one specific thing? I like to ask the candidates, you know, when exactly did you lose um, your mind to decide to become a, become a, a candidate? I mean, was it one thing or was it a bunch of things that just kind of came together and, and hit you on it? What, what, what was the, what was the, what, what pushed you over the edge, so to speak? Well, it's been ongoing. It's my, uh, I have been heavily involved with my husband's uh, campaign. And so I knew a lot about the, the political issues and climates. I just feel like, you know, I support people in the uh, Canada in the past, but I feel like I I have lots to offer, and I need to do something besides because I used to write articles to tell people, you know, to run uh, to to run to vote all that stuff. But I know, but I just feel like I need to do more about this. I have so much to offer. I need to help the state government to to the right direction. Right. Now, it's interesting because both you and your husband are currently running. You're running for the House seat in District 28, and Stephen, your husband, is running for the Senate District in District N. Um, that, I don't know as that has ever happened in the state before. Uh, does this create some uh, uh, interesting challenges if you both get elected with your family and everything else? What's, uh, you know, wh- wh- how are you going to handle that? Uh, it'd be nice we both get elected because I think we need lots of good people in the legislation chair. Because right now I feel like people have no voice. Because <clears throat> Alaska is a conservative state. But look at our state government. It's totally liberal. Right. We, our state's getting like uh, California, Oregon, you know, Washington. Right. So I just feel like it won't be doesn't hurt if both of us are in the legislature because my husband trying to, because he ran last 
I mean, last turn two right. years ago, uh, he was the second place. So, right. Yeah, he just been lost in the primary, but this time he won't try again to hopefully get a seat so he can give the, his, he has budget experience in the, uh, in the military. He did a budget for like four years. So, which I don't think uh, any, anybody in the legislature had that budget experience like he does. Um, yeah, first both of the conservative. Yeah. Now I'm assuming that you've gone out and you've spoken to your constituents. You've gone out, and knocked doors, and met uh, some of your voters and things like that. What are the things that they're talking about? I mean, you know, I'm always fascinated by this because, you know, that's that's really the heart and soul of your district. So are they? Cons- you know, what's their issue when you talk to them? The, you know, do they talk about the PFD being the biggest issue, the size of government, uh, you know, inflation, abortion? What are the things that your constituents are really concerned about when you knock on their door? What's the first thing that they want to talk to you about? Well, most of, it, most of them talk about, uh, complain about Biden or Lisa Murkowski. <laughs> but <laughs> the PAB is the, definitely the biggest issue because the PAB is our mineral rights. It's our dividend to replace our uh, mineral rights. So right. it should be, shouldn't be taken away, which right. I totally agree Right. When you uh, on your issues pages on your website, which is Jessica for Alaska dot com, you mentioned that you are pro PFD. Uh, You're talking about Hammond's 50 50 formula, which is different than what we're using right now for the statutory formula. So do you do you believe that we should be following the law and paying the statutory formula? Do you think we should go to a 50 50 of the POMV? What what's your position on the permanent fund dividend uh, as it sits right now? Yeah, I think uh, uh, we need to repeal SB 26. We shouldn't go with uh, the POMV, which is percentage market value, because what they're trying to do is reduce our dividends. So I think we need to go back to the Hammond's original uh, PLD plan, Hammond's five years average 50-50 plan. Because uh, according to the formula which we should get much bigger like this year we should get like close to six thousand i think over fifty five hundred if we use real right. uh Hammond's formula but we only get thirty two hundred yeah we got short changed so you would be a supporter of voting for a full statutory PFD and repealing SB twenty six uh if we if you got into the legislature. Yeah definitely uh, yeah. In addition, I want to restore thirteen thousand uh, stolen PLD. That the PLD was stolen the last seven years. I want to re- restore that to Oscans. Right. So that's my first well. The, deal. the money yeah. would definitely be. So, where would you get that? Just out of curiosity, where would you get the additional thirteen thousand uh, dollars per person? I mean, that's a big amount of money. Don't get me wrong, and a big chunk uh, of it still sits in the earnings reserve account. But where where would you think that we should get that money for the back pay on the PFD? Uh, I think we should, the money is over there. We have the, our PFD is so big. Um, I think I'll just go to the, um, reserve, yeah, reserve, reserve account to, you know, to ask for, because it was belong to the people. So we need to, it's belong to me. We need to go back to the reserve account to get it. Right. I, I, um, I have to my husband about the details. He's, 
He's the PFD expert. <laughs> He's the PFD. He's the yeah. PFD whiz, huh? Yeah, I mean, we could take uh, that in earnest. budget expert, too. He knows budget inside out. He knows how to do the reduce budget. But anyway. Um, yeah, because the money, a big chunk of that money is still sitting in the earnings reserve account. We could tap it out. Of course, that yes. would reduce the. Yeah, we that, have the money. It's not that government don't have money to pay out PFD. They just don't want to. They really use for the spending. Right, right. Um, yeah. And that actually takes us uh, to the last question before we go to break. And that is, uh, you know, the size and scope of the government in the state of Alaska. Is it too big? Is it too small? Is it just right? What, what, do, you, what do you think, Jessica Wright? What do you think is uh, the state of the of the state's budget right now? It's way, way too big. Our uh, state budget is the highest in the nation per capita. This year, our state budget is $17 billion. You divide by 750000 it's uh, 23650 per capita. It's three times the uh, state of Florida. Our government is way too big. Right. Uh, and of course, that seventeen billion includes both state and federal funds. And of course, we had a yes. lot of money, a lot of money come yes. in because of COVID and infrastructure and everything else. But still, do you have an idea of where you think we should be? I mean, as far as state budgets, I mean, do you have a a target number that we should be spending just in like state funds on those kind of things? I think we can cut down twenty percent, probably good. Yeah, go for at least or ninety percent. We just come down. No. Uh, you're breaking up Maybe just 90 percent okay 80%. so 80 I mean, so cut down to, cut to, down to uh, 80 percent then like a, a 10 20 percent okay. cut in the overall budgets so yeah all right we got a bit of a delay yeah. here so we're gonna we're gonna it, the time is here. We're going to take a we're going to take a quick break. Uh, the time is here. We're got a little bit of a delay here, so we're going to come back to this. Don't go anywhere. Jessica Wright is our guest. We're going to continue with her here in just a moment. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty Based, Free Thinking Radio. We continue with Jessica Wright, a GOP candidate for House District Twenty Eight. We'll return with more right after this. If you missed the show, you can listen to it on your time with Dukes On Demand. Oh, and it's free. Like America used to be. Streaming live every weekday morning on Facebook Live and MichaelDukesShow.com. All right. uh, We're in the commercial break right now. Uh, Jessica Wright is our guest. Um, I think we've got an opportunity here. I think it's interesting. Um... Uh, since uh, Mrs. Wright here was uh, was born and raised in Taiwan, and of course we hear all about the uh, we hear all about now the threat and the push from the PRC and everybody else in in threatening Taiwan. She may have a unique viewpoint on that, and I'd love to take that opportunity to just ask a couple quick questions. I mean, uh, Jessica, you know, growing up and and uh, and being there right on the doorstep of uh, mainland communist China. What, uh, you know, what was it, what was that like? I mean, what was that, um, uh, it's got to be fearful being living, living in the shadow of the largest standing army in the world. That can't be an easy thing to, uh, to live with there in Taiwan. No, not at all. I never feel any fear, but I do have some communist experience. Our family 
My dad was fled from China uh, due to the during the Civil War. He was followed Chiang Kai Shek to Taiwan, and my family, his parents, was the richest people in this in that region. Anyway, the communists took over in communists after communists took over, they they shot. They got shot because they they were the rich landlord. His his so, his grand his your yeah, your grandparents. Well, my grandparents, yeah, they were because they they were landlords. They had right. a whole bunch of land. Yeah, landowners. They owned a whole bunch. Yeah. Yeah, they they got shot. Yeah, man. So I, yeah, but I think, but when I live live in Taiwan, grew up, I just. I knew uh, communists wrong. I mean, it's you never bring out prosperity with parties communists and uh, communism. So that's why I want to run for office because right. our governments in socialists, which I, is a communist. I, I think it's same. yeah. I think it's interesting yeah. speaking to people and families who fled a communism and socialism specifically because they're the ones that have had direct impact and had direct experience with it. And you know, we get a lot of uh, we get a lot of ivory tower liberals or educated folks, elites who say, "No, this is the way." The communism, the socialism, that's the way. And yet, in every instance where it's been tried and true, we see the oppression, we see the violence, we see the as you say, the murders and the purges that took place. And uh, I always am encouraged by people who come from communist countries or communist areas and their families have fled those areas when they say, no, we've lived it. We know what it's like. It's not the utopia that you guys keep trying to tell us it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I The sad thing is about that is that my, I think my, my dad's nephew he uh, not only they took their land, but he was uh, he's illiterate. My brother told me he, he uh, my dad's nephew. I don't know what to call him. <laughs> anyway, he, he couldn't read and write because they he got to send to field work all day. He couldn't. He didn't right. get any education, so he can't even write his own name. <laughs> That's crazy <laughs> stuff. That's crazy stuff. But you made it to America, yeah. and uh, you've got a little bit of freedom here, and you want to help protect that freedom uh, for everybody else. Yes. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, hold the line for us just a second, uh, Jessica. We will be right back to you. Jessica Wright is our guest, candidate for state house in District 28. We're just over a minute uh, before we return. Um, um, I will uh, uh, going through some of the uh, going through some of the uh, comments here to see if there's anything. Um, Ken says she's an example of legal immigration working the right way. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's uh, that's you know that's the American success story, right? Coming here from another country and being able to participate and do things like run for office—that's an important stuff. Um, okay, going back through here, SB twenty six isn't really a lot since they didn't repeal the statutory PFD. I mean, we should be repealing SB twenty six because it's in conflict. That's what we should be doing, uh, but we're not doing that right now. All right, well, we're going to get into some deeper issues of the budget and more. Um, and, uh, I want to get, uh, I want to get back on this. Somebody said, how can you ask where we're going to get the fifth, 13,000 PFD? I'll talk about that here after we're done with Jessica. Here we go. The Michael Duke show. 
right, we're continuing. Jessica Wright is our guest. She is a GOP candidate for District 28, which is out here in the Matsu Valley. And uh, we'd love to hear uh, uh, some more from her. So we're going to jump right back into it with her right now and talk about some of the uh, some of the issues surrounding the state budget. She just said that she thought that we could be cutting the state budget quite a bit, downwards of 20 percent, she says. And so let's talk about some of the specifics. I mean, education is a big thing. You've got five children, Jessica. And so, uh, you know, education is a big component of their life. And education is the second largest item in our budget. Um, we continue to seem to throw ever-increasing amounts of money at the education system. And yet, Scholastically, we're falling in the bottom. I mean, we're, you know, 48th, 49th, 50th as far as scholastic achievement. So what is the answer in in fixing the education system? Is it more money? Is it a fundamental change? Is it uh, school choice? I mean, what are the things that you would do to help reduce the size and scope of education budgets um, if that's the answer for you? Uh, what, 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 you know, what are you looking at in those regards? Well, I think we need to go back to basic, you know, hold a school or a student accountable that they need to be able to read and do the basic reading and writing, the basic being able to pass reading uh, or some kind of fundamental skills uh, when you go back to basics. So they can, um, yeah, we need to go back to the curriculum, make sure they can read and write. The uh, education, I mean, obviously we... Yeah, and I also think... No, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I think we need to give uh, parents more choice. That You know, I think I like the school. There are two schools I really like in our valley. It's uh, 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 career tech school that, you know... that right. teaches the, yeah. Trade school, um, yeah, like trades and skills. vocational yeah. ed, things school. like that. Yeah, right. another one is the um, master's, not master's central, the uh, middle, uh, middle college, Alaska middle college, like uh, the high school can have a chance to go, go to UAA, take UAA classes so they can graduate early from college. Right. Like yeah, I think the reading and writing is, you know, I just feel like the right now nobody take education seriously, and then teachers, staff on teacher, um, administration teachers, they all talk about, they all more focus on you know social agenda, maybe political correct, but nobody really focus on be a good you know good teacher, dedicated dedicate teachers or uh, students need dedicate your studies the more focus on how oh, you need to be political correct so more like. on reading writing and arithmetic than on social engineering or social skills or uh, you know some kind of social justice or something like that that they need just the basics of reading writing arithmetic and uh, basic reasoning and learning right yeah go back to where it was before we were there to learn but now like to gain been washed, you know, to be teacher kids need to be political correct. Like, right. I think it's wrong. 
Um, we've got, uh, of course, uh, our previous guest was talking about one of the things that would help education, in his opinion, is the return to a defined benefits program for this for the teachers. And of course, many of us who are opposing defined benefits are worried about the overall cost and the un uh, you know the unfunded liabilities of those kind of things. And of course, we've also seen the administrative overhead and costs of education go up even and outstrip, you know, even student, uh, even the number of students that are as the student enrollment has declined. We've seen the administrations grow. Um, are those areas that you would look at for ways to cut down into uh, into uh, student and uh, and uh, school budgets? Yeah, I think we have too much um, uh we need to cut down the administration costs. We have so many districts. I mean, lots of lots of budget we have on the education. Most of go down to the administration, the teachers. They hardly goes actually direct to the students. Right. Yeah, we definitely cut those. As far as the uh, we were talking about the PFD and the size of scope of budget. Um, you know, should the PFD formula be enshrined in the Constitution? I mean, because obviously the legislature can't follow the law. They don't want to follow the law. They don't want to change the law. So should we enshrine it in the Constitution so that they are required to follow the law? Yeah, definitely. That's why my husband and I would try to, when we go out to talk to people, we say, hey, make sure you vote for the state Constitution Convention. And vote yes, because uh, there's no way we can have all this Unless we, all the new, uh, I mean, lots of good people like us get elected to to uh, change the, to protect PRD. Otherwise, we, the best, safest way is to have the state cons, constitutional convention to fix this, to enshrine the PRD law. Right. And to the... Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, in trying the and, and again, the Constitutional Convention, because as I said earlier, I don't think that there's the political will to um, to pass constitutional amendments in the legislature. I mean, you know, some people yeah. may say that they're for enshrining the PFD in the Constitution. Some people may say they're for a spending cap in the Constitution, but the legislature just doesn't want to seem to move that ball at all. They want to just sit on it. I mean, why would they? It would, t- it would tie their hands. It would take power away from the legislature. Why would they be yeah. interested in doing that? Yeah, that's why I'm running, because I feel sorry for Askins. I feel that Askins had no voice. We elected people to represent us, but did, did they really represent us? No, they just represent themselves. They just go there, hang out with people in the, you know, try to fit in in the, Juno right. <laughs> in the environment to right. make sure they pass a group wherever they, they are. Right. Um, Jessica Wright is our guest, candidate for State House, a GOP candidate for District 28 uh, in the Wasilla area. Jessica, if I wave my magic wand today and said, boom, you're a, you're a legislator, what's the first thing that you're going to want to tackle as you get down to Juno and start working in the legislature? What are going to be your priorities as you go on and start uh, in the legislature? Uh, I want to fix the PFD repair 26, restore the PFD to uh, payments five years, average 50-50 point, and to uh, restore the stolen 13,000 PFD to the Askins. You know why I, do, I want to do that? Because I think uh, Ask was, economy was hurt because, uh, because 
Governor Walker's veto of the state legislature's approach to take our PAD away. It hurts our private economy. Also, yeah, it basically destroyed our private uh, economy. In 2017, our state government, uh, state economy was ranked last, 50 right. place in the nation. Because we just look at Anchorage, there's not hardly any economic activities. We had no, uh, our private sector is really weak. Right. The reason why is that because uh, the business can tell our, our government is totally for the big government. They do not want to support the private economy. So I want to change that. Right. Go back to before government Walker, because I was here since 2009. People we were doing much, much better before Walker took our PhD. Right. So I well, think when you go back, because my slogan is to make, my goal is to make Oscar great again. You know, to make Oscar great again, to, we, we need to have four PFD. We do not need to cut people's PFD income. And we need to protect the private economy. Right. So well, four, we, were already, yeah, we were already struggling because we were in a recession. And then the governor went ahead and cut the PFD. And that just exacerbated it. And then, of course, <laughs> a year and a half later, we drop into yeah. a pandemic, which doesn't help as well. And so Alaska is still stumbling and bumbling around economically because they've continued to take thousands and thousands of hundreds of millions of dollars out of the private economy and instead trying to pump it into the public economy, into the government. Yeah, and I can predict, and until we change our policy to to pull a private economy by giving people the full PLD, by reducing the government, by developing natural resources. Right now, I I hardly see because when I back then in two thousand nine, I knew a whole bunch of people work on the slope. You know, a whole bunch of men work on the, their husbands work on the slopes. Right now, I hardly seen anybody work on the slope. I mean, maybe one person. One or two. Right. Anyway, I just feel like our state becomes just a welfare state. It used to be job topiary. People right. come here to for, for jobs. Right now, people come here for welfare benefits. The only people uh, doing well is the medical field because of Medicaid expansion. Yeah, another thing we can cut up budgets is to re, uh, get rid of all the uh, options because our state is the only state. They adopt uh, all 26 options for the uh, Medicaid. There's no other states have have done that. Most states have none options, and our states had all of them, 26. Right. And, yeah, that's a, that Medicaid really costs us money. Also, Medicaid right now, 40% of the population is Native people. people. They have their own federal insurance. They don't have to be on Medicaid. Right. Yeah. So through we can B, yeah, through, <clears throat> Right, through BIA. That's our and phobia people. Right. Yeah. Uh, Jessica Wright is our guest. We're coming down here to the last couple of minutes. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, Jessica, I guess one of the big questions is, would you be working with the Republican majority in the House if there was a majority in the House? Or would you, as we've seen in the past, would you be working with the uh, the Democrats uh, in that, I think I know the answer, but I'd like to get uh, get some solid solid answers from you. Uh, would you stick with the Republicans, uh, whether they're in the majority or the minority, or what would you do? Yeah, I'm definitely would stick with Republican. Yeah, I can never go to Democrat side. 
Yeah, can't, yeah. can't go to the Democrats. It's opposite of right. what I believe. Right. Yeah. It's, a, it's a hard, hard thing. So pro-con-con, yeah. pro-PFD, pro-back-pay PFD, pro-cutting Medicaid uh, and bringing government uh, – uh, government uh, budgets back down. Uh, Jessica Wright, I want to give you the uh, want to give you the last bite at the apple here. We got about two minutes, and so I wanted to give you the final say. Give folks a final pitch as to why they should vote for Jessica Wright versus your opponents, and uh, where people can find you. And are you doing any kind of events or meeting greets or whatever? I give you the floor here yeah. for the last couple minutes. Yes, I'm Jessica Wright. I'm running for state senate. I'm a state house district twenty eight. And I'm for PFD for Second Amendment for uh, small economy uh, for uh, natural resource development. My website is jessicaforaska.com. And we do have the uh, activity, Halloween activity on the October 15th is okay. the Halloween activity. Yeah, okay. it's a fun activity for you guys to come. We sponsor. Okay. In, but we have the prices for kids and the, for adults has top three will win two hundred, one hundred and fifty dollars. This is a fun activity for you guys. Okay. Come. And my, my now supposed to end the um, October fifteenth from six thirty to eight thirty. Okay, so the spectacular Halloween party October the fifteenth. Um, yeah. Halloween costume contest for the kids. They win some prizes, and it's a good time yeah. to meet you and your husband. I'm assuming will be there as well. And yeah, uh, we co-sponsored. Okay, yeah. co-sponsored it, so you guys are going to be there. Where's it going to be at on the 15th of October? Menard Sports Center. Okay, the Menard Sports Center in Wasilla. If folks want to come out and meet Jessica, meet Stephen, and get a chance to uh, enjoy yourselves, then uh, the spectacular. Yep, spectacular yeah. Halloween party, October the 15th at the Menard yeah. Center. And, of course, again, as I said before, JessicaForAlaska.com is her website. And uh, we get a chance to uh, to chat with her. Jessica Wright, uh, candidate for State House in District 28. Thanks for coming on. I appreciate it. Uh, we're we're going to hear from your husband uh, tomorrow um, on the program. So, uh, tomorrow, fine. Yep. Okay. Yep. Tomorrow we're going to, I think it's, let me make sure that I said that right. Yep. Tomorrow, 7.05 a.m. Uh, her, okay. Your husband's going to be on and we'll be talking with him then tomorrow. So Jessica Wright, okay. thank you so much for coming on board. Appreciate it. And appreciate thank you bringing you. your perspective to us. All right, thanks. All right, hold the line for hold the line for just a second. All right, folks, we are up against the break. We've got uh, one more segment coming up. I'm going to launch the phone lines, and we're going to uh, open them up for you. Get your take on things from today, and this is your chance to you know if you want to gripe about the first candidate or 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 praise the second candidate, whatever you want to do. We're going to talk about that. That's up next. The Michael Duke Show, common sense, liberty based, free thinking radio. Regularly heard on American radio. Radio. 
All right. Um, we're in the chat room. Jessica Wright, still our guest. Um, Brian says, charter of changes, question mark. Uh, I would love to go over the charter of changes with Jessica, but man, that's a full 10 minute segment right there just to go over each and every one of those. Um, but I think based on her answers right now that she would be in favor of it. The biggest part of the charter of changes, uh, Jessica, for the, you don't know, that's four changes that we'd like to see happen in the state of Alaska to make Alaska uh, better to you know make Alaska great again, as you said earlier on. Uh, the biggest change, though, is the changes to the rules. We'd like to see the elimination of the binding caucus. We'd like to see the enforcement of the uh, conflict of interest rules in the legislature, so that you know people who work in the oil industry can't vote on oil taxes, or people who work in the fishing industry can't vote on fishing changes. Um, and we'd like to see the open meetings law apply to the legislature as oh, it does yeah. to every other thing. Yeah. So, do you agree with those? three changes yeah and talk about the open meeting i talked to somebody from florida she said back then they had this called sunshine rule means every state in the because back then the parties was very corrupted so they sell this rule i really like it because they say it shouldn't be coastal meetings all the doors should be all the meetings should be open. Right. I well, agree. I think I was submitted a bill like that. Yeah. Well, I mean, look, the, the legislature requires every other public body in the state, whether you're a city council or a borough assembly or even down to a little commission or road service area where there's just a half a dozen people that are represented, they require that all of those meetings be held in the open, that they're all publicly noticed open meetings, and yet they close their own doors and don't allow people behind the scenes. And then they come out and they make a vote where they've obviously done all the horse trading behind closed doors. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think that's a huge deal. Uh, and the legislature uh, heretofore has not been interested in changing that. So we definitely think that that's a change that needs to be made. Uh, we'd also like to see the we'd also like to see the legislature meet on the road system. We'd like to see the legislative sessions to be held in Anchorage, Wasilla, Fairbanks, Delta. I don't care somewhere on the road system uh, so that people can participate. Does that make sense to you? Oh, we lost Jessica. We just lost her lost her feed. Okay. Well, um, I guess that puts us uh, closer to phone calls then. Um, yeah, community councils are subject to Open Meetings Act. I mean, even places that really don't have access or utilize public funds are required to uh, to do that kind of stuff. It's, it's mind-blowing, some of the things that go on there. Uh, all right. Uh, let me, uh, let me get uh, squared away here. We're going to get uh, the phone lines turned on. And open them up so people can participate. And uh, when I do this, I don't want it to blow you away here. And thanks for calling the call in line. There we go. All right. Phone lines are turned on. Phone lines are turned on. And we're ready to participate and talk with you uh, and get things uh, squared away. All right. No, I mean, I think it would be interesting. I think Jessica would bring a unique perspective to the legislature, especially since, um, again, she's she's lived uh, with family, you know, had been lived on the on the doorstep of uh, communism and totalitarianism and has personal experience with her family members being affected by that. I think that is a uh, see, 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 I knew you could get the charter of changes. And yeah, but I, you know, I like to preface it with like it, dude, it takes me a while to get to get 
warmed up to something like that. But I mean, literally, if we were going to do a charter of changes segment for every, it would be an additional 10 minutes for every candidate. Uh, some are more verbose than uh, Jessica. So uh, anyway, uh, we'll we'll do what we can do here. Um, I do want to get back to this question that um, Warren asked earlier, um, and I'm going to get to that when we jump back onto the air. Uh, he asked a question about how can you ask um, he said, where, how can you ask where we're going to get back the $13,000 from the PFD? Doesn't everyone want their property or money back? This is why most in Juno don't want the people to vote, to vote on it. Um, there's a reason why I ask that and I'll get to that here in a second, Warren, and we'll talk about that. How about that? We'll, we'll get to that and we'll do that. This is why people from other perspectives are more appropriate than candidates like grow said Jeannie. Um, I mean, I think that there's validity in both types of candidates, but yes, I think that those that have lived under the regimes that we've been talking about and have seen the effects of larger statist governments, they definitely bring a perspective that I want in my legislature for sure. Um, simply because they've seen it and they understand it and they understand, you know, as, as, um, uh, as, uh, you know, as gracious and magnanimous as people want to think that larger governments would be to take care of the people, it's a double-edged sword. And we've seen that in history. I mean, that's not just me talking, that's history talking. And bringing people in who have seen that firsthand definitely, I think, uh, is good for us as a people. We need to have that kind of perspective. All right, we got to uh, jump into this and uh, kick things off. The Michael Duke Show, Common Sense, Liberty-based, free-thinking radio. Like and share the show. Let's get more people involved. We can only do that if you share and invite people. Here we go. All right, we're back. Uh, one final segment of the show today. We got about, uh, I don't know, 10, 11 minutes to chat with you uh, to see what you have to say. Uh, and I have opened up the phone lines uh, for anybody uh, that would like to uh, sound off this morning. Phone number to call, as always, is 907-433-3150. 907-433-3150. We'd love to hear from you. Um, and see what you have to say um, about any of the candidates or the topics or the things that we brought up today. We'd love to hear from you. Please feel free to give us a call in this final segment of the show. I like to use it a little bit as a review of the candidates that have been on today and what you liked and what you didn't like. I, I think that's uh, I think that's good. Um, uh, during the questions of Jessica, I got a comment in the chat room, which I wanted to address because I didn't have time with Jessica on to address it. Uh, but Warren in the chat room asks, because uh, I was talking with Jessica about the PFD, she said she wanted to pay the PFD back, which I said, great. OK, so where does that money come from? Just tell me where that money comes from. Uh, so Warren says, Michael Dukes, how can you ask where we're going to get the back $13,000 for the back PFD? 
Doesn't everyone want their property or money back when it's been stolen? This is why most people in Juneau don't want the people to vote on it. Okay. I understand what you're saying, Warren. Here's how, here's why I asked. Um, because it's important to me that if we're going to offer a, if we're going to offer an idea, we're going to offer something, we've got to know how it's going to be paid for. This is what Brad and I were talking about earlier in the week when we were talking about half a plan, right? These candidates have all these great and broad amorphous ideas about how we're going to do things. And then they're like, but they never tell you how you're going to pay for it. Um, now where would we get the back $13,000 that's been taken from every man, woman, and child in the state? Well, the majority of that money still resides in the earnings reserve account. And that's what I said to her. Uh, and she said it would come from the earnings reserve account if, you know, that's where she would like to see it come from, which I think is a good answer. Um, but I think we have to ask those questions. We can't just say, well, because we want something, it'll just happen because we want it. That, that's, not, that's not how it works. Um, we've got to have a plan for if we want X, how are we going to fund X? Does that mean we have to take the money from somewhere else? Uh, does it mean it comes out of a fund? Does it mean we have to pay for it through taxes? Does, does it mean we have to, you know, do we have to cut government down to fit that? I mean, we need to know. We can't just, you know, put a blind eye on and say, because, man, we really want that money. What are we going to do with it? Uh, you know, how are we going to get it? That's got to be a question. We must be asking ourselves these questions all the time. We can't shy away from them. So I think it was a good question to ask, and I think she had a good answer. The answer is it came out of the earnings reserve account where the lion's share of that money still sits. So good, good, good answer to what I thought was a good question. Um, I mean, it, it, again, the tone of, the, of the tone of Warren's question to me is how can you ask that? Well, because I think it's a valid question. If you want something, if you want something from government, whether it's a full PFD or the back pay or some other kind of program, how are you going to pay for it? I think that's that's how you need to do it. Um, all right, let's uh, go back to the phones and see what you guys have to say. 907-433-3150 over here. Good morning. Who's this? Where are you calling from? My name's Christine, and I'm down on Kenai uh, Peninsula. Good morning, Christine. What is on your mind this morning? I want to let anybody listening know that down here we're going to gather together to watch a debate about convention. Yes. We're going to do this tomorrow night, Thursday, at 7. Uh, the debate starts about 7, but we're going to gather together about 6 o'clock, have some pizza, and watch some, get some information about convention, yes. And then we're going to watch the debate. And then we're going to discuss it among ourselves. This is going to happen tomorrow night, Thursday, the 29th of September, at Paradiso's Restaurant in Kenai. Okay. Paradiso's, is that how it's pronounced? Because I always pronounce it Paradiso's Restaurant. But, I mean, so it's Paradiso's Restaurant. Most of us pronounce it Paradiso's. Okay. I don't know how it's pronounced. Good, good. Okay, I just want to make sure that, what I, that so, I'm on the same page with you guys. So tomorrow night, 6 p.m., you're going to start. The debate starts at 7. You're going to watch it. And then you're going to discuss it afterwards. Yeah, among ourselves, if anybody has questions, we're going to bat that around. And then we're going we're gonna to do that tomorrow night, Thursday at Paradiso's in Kenai. Okay. We're going to have some pizza. There'll be some pizza for a while. And anybody who's interested in learning more about the convention, yes, should be there. 
Okay. All right. Tomorrow night, 6 p.m., Parada Shows in Kenai. Pizza and debate. Boy, that sounds delicious. Uh, both of them sound delicious. So that yeah. should be an interesting thing. All right. Yeah. Well, thank you, Christine. Appreciate you uh, calling in and joining us this morning. No problem. Thank you. All right. Number to call if you want to sound off is 907-433-3150, 907-433-3150. The debate that Christine was talking about is going to be a debate which is going to be live streamed. So if you're not down on the peninsula and you want to watch it, you can do it in person at the Wendy Williamson Auditorium in Anchorage. Or you can watch the live stream on the Facebook page for Alaska Public Media, which is facebook.com slash Alaska Public. They're going to be broadcasting it and live streaming it on the web. Uh, Again, uh, doors open at 630. The debate starts at 7. The debate is going to be between two sides, the pro-con and the anti-con side. Uh, debating the uh, debating the pro convention side is going to be Bob Bird, who's the chairman of the Alaska Independence Party. He also hosts a talk radio show down there in the Kenai, as well. And former Lieutenant Governor Lauren Lehman is going to be on the pro side as well. Representing the anti con con side are going to be Joel Hall, president of the AFL CIO. And Matt Shuckero, who is the owner of Fathom Strategic Communications, and also former press secretary in the Dunleavy administration. Um, So this should be a very interesting debate. Now, here's something that I've been saying about this for quite a while, uh, but you can see this. As I mentioned yesterday, the ADN had a very in-depth article about the Constitutional Convention, talked about both sides. Um, You could see some, I mean, I, I was reading between the lines as to some of the um, <clears throat> condescension that I think the writer was feeling for the pro-con-con side. Um, but all you had to do, that that article has a tremendous breakdown on the people that are supporting uh, both the pro and the con side and really the monies. Uh, because to me, if you look at the money that, you know, if I look at a, at a, at a, at a uh, ballot measure or a proposition or some kind of political position, I look at the people who are supporting it, both financially and with their time and effort. And when I look at the group who is supporting the anti-constitutional convention, it pretty tells me, it pretty much tells me why I should be in favor of a constitutional convention. Well, you've got the 1630 project from Washington, uh, the 1630 fund, which is a even the Washington, even the New York Times calls it a, a far left progressive. Uh, you know, group for donations, they have donated $500,000 of the nearly million dollars that has been raised by the anti-con-con group called Defend Our Constitution. They've donated $500,000. And then you've got the unions, the IBEW, the teachers unions, the state employees unions. They've all donated hundreds and fifties, thousands, hundred thousand, uh, you know, hundred. I mean, that's where all those monies are coming. The majority of these monies are coming from labor unions and dark money groups like the 1630 fund uh, and people who are obviously worried about the gravy train stopping. And I mean, the 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 public the public coffer gravy train. Um, that's why you have somebody like Joel Hall, who is uh, uh, who is with the AFL-CIO and the labor unions. They're very worried about it. Um, and uh, so, of course, they want that to stop. And all you had to do, uh, quite honestly, 
uh, when you look at this uh, Defend Our Constitution, AK, um, on their website, all you have to do is look at the people who are part of the power structure of this group. Um, and uh, I mean, I've, I've gone through this before, but I'll go through it again. Kathy Giesel is a co-chair. Joel Hall, we just mentioned. John Coghill is a co-chair. Bruce Patello, Bryce Edgman, uh, Luke Hopkins for you folks in Fairbanks, Bill Corbis, uh, Gail Schubert. These are just the these are just the officers of the executive committee. And then again, all the people and the names that you know in the coalition members that are names that you probably recognize that quite possibly are in direct contravention with what your beliefs are. People like you know Andrew Halcrow, Beth Kurtula, um, um, uh, Calvin Schrage. Uh, I'm just scrolling through. There's there's lots of names here. Uh, Chuck Gray, um, uh, Jim Clark, former uh, former chief of staff uh, that uh, is uh, is in there. Uh, Justin Ruffridge is a member of the group. He's running for office down on the peninsula. Um, again, uh, Matthew Shukro's names, Marna Sanford. Um, I mean, I'm just looking at all these names. I mean, these are people that that I mostly disagree with. From a political, you know, and not not necessarily politics in specifics, but politics in general. These are people who mostly believe that the answer to most of the problems out there is a bigger, stronger, bolder government. That's who they are. Zach Fields. I mean, you know, Vince Beltrami. Uh, I, I look at these names and I go, well, these are people that I would I would just completely disagree with on most things. If they are strongly supporting this then uh, maybe that's another reason for me to say i i don't i don't believe in it i don't support it i shouldn't be i i should be instead in direct opposition with them anyway we got to go the michael duke show common sense liberty based free thinking radio have a good day well again i blew past the end of the hour irritating irritating All right, my friends. Well, um, all you got to do again, all you have to do for your own benefit is go over and look, just look at the names that are on this. I'm going to post this up in the chat room right now. Um, Here's the chat room. Um, You can go in there and uh, take a look at it. Just follow the money. Look at all these people. Um, It's, uh, you know, look at all these people. Um, It, 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 you know, it's astonishing. That should tell you right there what's going on. Brian says, to be fair, you gave her the answer. Not to say she wouldn't have come up with the same answer, but okay. Maybe I mean, I maybe I led her down the road a little bit, but, you know, I, I'm looking for an answer. Maybe I've done that before. Maybe I'll do it again. I don't know. I'm just trying to put everything on the table there. All right, guys, uh, we're out of time. we got to go. Uh, thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke show tomorrow's another day tomorrow. It's going to be, um, Rosalind Casey and Stephen Wright, who is Jessica Wright's husband. So we'll have that conversation tomorrow. Uh, will this list be online as well? Christine, I just, uh, I just put it up above you there in the chat room. You can take a look at it. You can follow that link and you can read about all the members and who supported it. And all the different organizations that support it. The Alaska Center. Oof. Oof. Pro-Choice Coalition, Juno. Yeah. 
All right. Uh, the city of what? The Fairbanks Greater Chamber of Commerce. Yeah. The city and borough of Juneau. They're actually... Wow. Okay. Well, there you go. Uh, all right, folks. We got to go. Thanks for coming in and joining us. The Michael Duke Show. Common sense, liberty-based, free-thinking radio. We will see you guys tomorrow. Have a great day. shed our terrestrial radio skin and now we are slimy lizard internet people it's the michael duke show